0: We have come closer in the past four years to fascism in this country than we ever have in the past. You know, Joe Biden the other day famously said it was kind of a bit of a gaffe. He said uh, Donald Trump is the first racist president. He's not the first racist president, but he is the first fascist president. And so this is something that we cannot tolerate in this country.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode twenty. This is your host Ben Cohn. I'm here with my co-host Mike Luciano, and today we have a very, very special guest for our twentieth episode. We have the great Bob Seska of the Bob Seska Show. Bob, how are you today, my friend? Is it's uh, it's fantastic to have you on.
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the the show. I, it's uh, it's about damn time you invited me.
1: I know, Mike. We've been, we we <laughs> should he should you should have been guest number one.
0: On episode number one. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't want to screw up your pilot episode. Yeah, you, you work someone like me in later on. That's that, that's how this works.
1: That's how it works. Okay, okay. Uh, but we've got a ton of questions for you today, Bob. Like it's uh, you, you know you, you you've been really on top of what's happening with Trump and his um, move to becoming a, a semi dictator. So uh, we've got a ton of yeah. questions for you today. Uh, but uh, Mike, it's um, exciting to have Bob on, right? Psyched to have Bob on,
2: I really want to hear him weigh in on five words. (laughs) Well, it's what's on everyone's mind, and that is person, woman, man, camera, TV. Yeah. So, (laughs) Bob— I'm impressed.
0: You can remember all the words. Right? And
2: you ask me five minutes from now, and I'll give you the same words in the same order, and you will all be very impressed.
0: Yeah. But greatest uh, so- clip of the president that I think we've ever heard. I mean, as far, and by great, I mean awful and stupid. It, it just it emphasizes everything that's wrong with him. I mean, from the self-aggrandizement, uh, you know, say, oh, I was the greatest at this test. I mean, it's the easiest test in the world, which is the intent of it. But at the same time, just a, a perfect example of how he operates, how his brain works, how the brain worms interact with his neurons to present us with these endless loops of things where he has to go back to the same thing over and over again, where he kept saying those words and then talking about how (laughs) he got bonus points because he named all the things, right? Which is not even a thing. If you name all the words on the cognitive test, You get one point for being correct i mean i can't believe we're going over this like they're the sats or something like that like this is somehow an iq test and i think donald trump actually thought uh, or confused it with something that is supposed to emphasize your intelligence and not necessarily supposed to weed out the possibility of having cognitive decline and so he thinks it's a, a, a fantastic accomplishment, the most tremendous accomplishment. They were amazed, he said, at how well he did on the test. And the, the greatest part of all of it is how he mentioned the last several questions of the test being the most difficult questions on the test. And they are, in fact, the easiest questions. They are, what is today's date? <laughs> Where do you live? Things like that. And those are the hardest ones. Even the one, you know, the one that uh, I thought would have been hard is counting backwards by sevens from 100. But even that was like a multiple choice. And you only needed to subtract four times. There were just four hops. (laughs) So maybe that was the difficult. I don't know. I don't know. But again, he's seeing what he said. I mean, he's saying what he sees. It's almost like brick in um, uh, uh, Steve Carell's character in Anchorman. You know, where he's talking about, I love love lamp, that scene, I love carpet. Are you saying what you're seeing, Brick? Yes, I love lamp. And that's what he saw. He saw a person, he saw a man, he saw a woman, he saw a camera because he's on television, and he saw a TV because Donald Trump insists upon having a monitor so he can see how he looks on television. That's why he's always glancing at the camera, if you notice that. He always kind of makes those creepy glances right into the camera. Well, he's also looking at the monitor to make sure (laughs) he doesn't look stupid, which, of course, he always does. So, uh, yeah, person, woman, man, camera, TV is now part of the Donald Trump lexicon, part of the madness of 2020.
2: I have to play the clip. This this is actually from Sarah Cooper's lip syncing version of it. So while you guys are just hearing Donald Trump's voice, I actually get to watch her reenact this. So sucks for you guys.
3: (laughs) And he said there actually is and he named it, whatever it might be. And it was 30 or 35 questions. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult, uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, yeah, yeah, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. Sounds like he's out of if breath. If you get it in order, yeah. you get points. If you, Okay, now he's asking you other questions, other questions, and then 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, they say, remember the first question? Not the first, but the 10th question? Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. They said, nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy, but for me, it was easy. And it's not an easy question. In other words, they ask it to you. They give you five names, and you have to repeat them. Oh, my God. But, but, but then when you go back about 20, 25 minutes later, and they say, go back to that question. They don't tell you this. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man. Camera TV. Almost forgot. Like, yep. That's amazing. How did you do that?
2: How did you do did that? You, because like he like,
3: split the fucking atom. Memory of
0: <laughs> it's, it's like it's, he's a close up magician. Like, oh my God, how did you make those fuzzy dice disappear in your, into your hand? That's amazing. Right.
2: First of all, I am not going to take Trump at his word that he did yeah. well on this test. I, I'm right. not saying he got a low score because I have no idea, but we know we can't take his word on anything. But, you know, he's saying he aced it and he's super proud of himself. And he's been telling anyone who listened, he told Chris Wallace the test was very hard. And it's like, no, Donnie boy, the test (laughs) isn't supposed to be hard. If you pass it, it just means you probably don't have dementia. That's a low bar. If you don't pass it, it means you should probably get some brain scans done because Mm -hmm. you might have serious cognitive problems. But he's talking like. He just got a, a perfect score on on the SE, SATs like you said yeah, yeah. and and next time he brags about you know being good at tests or being so smart I'd love to have a reporter ask him why not release your college transcripts which yeah, you know yeah. you've be, you've threatened the University of Pennsylvania with legal action if they you know release your transcripts to the public so uh, yeah. So basically, yeah. at the end of the day, it's just Trump boasting that uh, he doesn't have dementia, probably.
0: Also, it's a funny way to look at a much more serious problem. And the serious problem is something Tony Schwartz, the ghostwriter of The Art of the Deal, mentioned on television a couple nights ago. He says Donald Trump has uh, toxic, toxic positivity, is how it was described. Toxic positivity. And that's the centerpiece of of why this pandemic has turned out the way it's turned out. Toxic positivity. It's this thing that Donald Trump does, the, the power of positive thinking. Like, they're, like, I think the whole Trump family, or at least Donald Trump's uh, generation of Trumps, they have this obsession with this idea of you know, basically telegraphing a a positive outlook on things. And usually with Donald Trump himself, that manifests in him saying, I'm the most tremendous, I'm the greatest, I'm the most powerful. We've seen these things over and over again. And in that regard, the way he treats the pandemic along those lines, like, Oh, this is going to be, this is this going to go away overnight? We're not going to see this anymore. It's going to vanish. It's just going to disappear. We should reopen. We should reopen right now when we're at the height of the curve. Well, oh, this is back in April and liberate Michigan and all the rest of it. Again, the, the, the uh, person, woman, man, camera, TV thing is just a silly version of the same thing. And so, It's kind of a good thing to take a look at these uh, less serious iterations of it because then we can really take a close-up examination of the way he thinks and the way he operates, which applies to everything from how he deals with Kim Jong-un to nuclear weapons to Iran to Obama and whatever else. It all applies because everything that is in Donald Trump's wheelhouse gets the same treatment so we can look at this and we can laugh at this but at the same time absorbing one of the main drivers one of the main animators of this crisis
2: silly and terrifying at the same time
0: yeah yeah ben yeah
2: i feel like we lost (laughs) someone
1: sometimes yeah ben what's up (laughs) Sorry sorry about that I I have a mute button on my my yeah. headset that I <laughs> got pressed
2: I didn't know um, kid was throwing bricks into the neighbor's yard again and he had to deal with that but we we better see
0: we better see the video on Instagram if that's the case right.
1: yeah. But I was going to I was actually trying to interject and with it, with with this little uh, nugget and this little factoid um, with with Trump's amazing memory feat uh, where he remembered. Was it five words in a row? Five words in a row. Uh, Can I just say that the world record um, for reciting um, digits of pi uh, is held by a man called Liu Chao of China. Who in 2005 recited 67,890 digits of pi? Holy crap! Trump got five. Trump, Trump did five words though, so that you've got to give him credit.
0: Yeah, he got through. got through five, and there were things that he was just looking at
1: outside <laughs> at the
2: White House. Also, also, I'll just say, Lu Chao needs to get out more. Once the pandemic is over, at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah, can that power be put to use somehow? I mean, shouldn't he be a code breaker or something?
1: (laughs) That's astonishing. But yeah, our genius president over over here uh, Mm -hmm. can remember five words of a picture that he has in front of him.
0: Well, hey, Mike, you know, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And in fact, I should write this up for uh, the banter. And... Uh, it's specifically, you know, I, 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 am obsessed with trying to figure out how we ended up with this goddamn maniac in the white house, how we ended up with King Joffrey, <laughs> you know, what, what were the things that took place? What was the, the groundwork for all of this? And I think one of the things, and one of the main things is the fact that so many Americans decided, Hey, the presidency that's ah, meaningless. It doesn't affect me at all. We can have fun with this. We can elect anyone to it and anyone can do the job. It doesn't matter because who's the president anyway? They don't, you know, i see read all this crap about issues and I read what well, the president said this. The president said that. Well, my life goes on just as it normally is, as it always has. And that is, I think, one of the main drivers. So then when people walked into the voting booth in 2016, they were like, Ah, fuck it. Why don't we just get the celebrity apprentice guy who screams a lot? Yeah, uh, that'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, because ultimately, what what could possibly go wrong? And here we are. Here we are in the middle of a a significant illustration in terms of what happens when people devalue the role of the president of the United States. And there was lots of evidence (laughs) telling people, screaming at people, oh, my God, if you elect this guy, it is going to be a nightmare And they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to listen to it because they figured, well, it's not really a real thing. I mean, he's not really going to hurt me. I mean, how could that possibly even happen? And again, here we are. (laughs) So that's the uh, more sobering look at uh, how we get to this place where we're all watching this video of the president in serious cognitive decline. I mean, at the very at the very simplest, he's just an idiot who cannot. He he has to constantly manufacture artificial success, put the smallest hurdles possible in front of him, the easiest to clear hurdles so that he can look like a Superman. It's like with the death toll on, on coronavirus. It's like He started out back in March by saying, well, they're saying two million dead possibly. And I'm going to come in much lower than that so that when he does, he looks like a superhero. And that's exactly what he's doing now. You know, he's come in, 100, almost 150,000 Americans are dead on Donald Trump's watch. Many of those, a significant percentage of those are preventable. And yet he still claims, well, it wasn't 2 million, so great success for me. That is, uh, yeah, that's, something has gone significantly haywire in this country. And, uh, and I think the, the devaluing, the demystification of the presidency is uh, one of the main drivers of that.
1: Do you, you, Bob, do you think it's, um, that the kind of levels of narcissism in in American society have something to do with it as well? I've been thinking about that as as well. It's this, this idea that, uh, you know, um, you don't have to listen to experts. You're, you know, you're right. Everyone's opinion is valid. Even if you're a moron, you can, you know, whatever you have to say must be, you know, must be brilliant. Um, it, there's a kind of level of narcissism I think that exists in at least some part of the the country yeah uh, that and you, we're kind of seeing it with the masks as well whereby you know I don't want to wear a mask because it, it, you know it's an it's annoying to me who cares about you know grandma and and other people and society and the vulnerable like no one that that's not of interest it's about you know personal freedom and the <clears throat> the the right to you know uh, create a public health crisis because you know you're an american or you know same with guns right it's the same as your right to have a gun even though 12,000 people a year die from from uh, you know, gun injuries from from mm-hmm. being shot it, it's your right as an american to be able to do that and it's with yeah. no consideration for anybody else and I, I i feel that that's like a that's really sort of been exposed i think under trump trump the oh, yeah. underbelly The the dark, narcissistic underbelly of of American society is really coming out now. And I I don't know how much you think that has has to do with it as well. Uh,
0: It's significant. Uh, That's a significant driver, too. Uh, It's a sense of entitlement that people feel as if because of having lived with the Internet now for some of us have been on the Internet for 20, 25 years at this point. And I think as a consequence of that and amplified by social media is this uh, this outgrowth of a sense of personal importance. Like my entire universe is more important than anything else that's happening outside of it. My personal brand on social media is more important than what happens in society. I, and and of course, what, how that ties into politics is people have incorporated Donald Trump into their brand. So they feel like if they criticize Donald Trump or allow criticism of Donald Trump, on their Facebook page or whatever, that it's actually a criticism of them personally. And I've engaged with this, even with people I know who are Trump supporters, who feel as if, because I'm criticizing Donald Trump, I'm also de facto criticizing them too. And uh, again, going back to the entitlement though, I think people feel as if their opinions, as you were saying that are instantly valid because they're expressing them not because the opinions have significant basis in fact or reality, but because I've said this thing, I'm entitled to say this thing, and to debunk this thing is, is a personal slight against me. And so that's, I, I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, just the tying in of these pop culture personalities, including Donald Trump, with your own brand. Every Now everyone's got their own brand, and it's uh, it's kind of an amazing thing to look at. And I think on top of all of that, <laughs> and going back to something that I think our mutual friend Ches would have said, is that uh, I think the internet may have come along before human society was ready for it. I think we were maybe 50 years too early with the internet. It's like technology advanced beyond our ability to handle the technology. And so therefore, I think while there are significant benefits to having a world of information at our disposal, there's also a significant downside to that because I don't think people are capable of processing all that information. And we see that in uh, well, we see that on Fox News every day or the manipulation that goes on with Fox News Channel. Or we see that with um, all the conspiracy theories that go on in the u- universes of Alex Jones and maybe to a certain extent Joe Rogan and some of the others where <laughs> people don't know how to handle... The confluence of reality versus fiction. And that's where we've landed now, where this is no longer the political debate in this country is no longer about left versus right, uh, Republican versus Democrat. It's literally reality versus fiction. And people can't process that adequately. And it's so immensely frustrating. In fact, that's the one thing I think uh, if we really take a close look and take Trump out of the equation, take his personal actions out of the equation. Certainly he's always going to be there, but taking his personal actions out of the equation, what's left is just a bunch of people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. They don't know what the truth is. They can't, they can't divine the truth out of this uh, avalanche of of information that is bombarding them every day uh, willingly. And so I think that's a, a significant part of it too.
2: We just don't know how to think critically as a country. I mean, there's just such a, a dearth of that in large swaths of the population. So, I mean, that's that's how we get Donald Trump. We, so many of us don't know a con man when it, he's staring us right in the face. Yeah. Um, also, also, I think at work is on, on one hand, we have such a low bar for tyranny. What, what constitutes tyranny, like where mask mm. mandates are some like government overreach during a pandemic. And I think part of that goes back to the fact that the country was founded largely by slaveholders who were angry about getting taxed, you know, without Mm -hmm. being represented in the parliament. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's not a good thing, but it's kind of a low bar. When you think of, you know, other revolutions throughout history and what drove them, there have been much more egregious causes than that, And so I think a lot of these people who are fighting back against mask mandates, weirdly and bizarrely find themselves or think of themselves as the sort of like cultural heirs to George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. I don't know. But on the other hand, so they have this low bar for tyranny on, on that end, you know, wearing the mask to the Applebee's or whatever. On the other hand, They have nothing to say about the the Gestapo-like tactics that we're seeing in Portland, where unidentified federal agents are basically scooping people up off the streets, throwing them into unmarked vans, driving them to government buildings, not telling them why they're being detained, and that's going to continue to happen now in other cities, apparently, like Kansas City and Chicago, which is where where they're expanding Operation Legend, as they're calling it, the same people who are up in arms about mask mandates have nothing to say about these terrifying tactics. I mean, it doesn't get much more authoritarian than this, but they have nothing to say about it. And the reason they have nothing to say about it is because They're, they're part of a faction in this country that is ready. They are ready for an authoritarianism helmed by Trump or somebody that they like. They're ready for it. And as much as they say, you know, how they like freedom and they're against tyranny, you get the right person and Trump is that right person for them They will follow him up to and including cattle cars for dissidents. I have no doubt about that.
0: Again, they've latched themselves to the Trump brand. They've incorporated the Trump brand into their own social media brand. And I'm talking about just generically speaking, generally speaking, uh, you know, your average red hat, your average Trump supporter. That has been woven into the, the fiber of their being. So when they see Donald Trump behaving incompetently, they are desperate to try to find some sort of justification to make it actually acceptable. <laughs> or if you criticize Donald Trump's incompetence to them and show them this video, they'll just immediately assume you're somehow deceiving them. They'll, they'll, they refuse to see the reality of the dynamic here because they, they are so ensconced in just this manufactured artificially formed in a Fox News laboratory, this kind of nonsense that gets pumped into their uh, bloodstream on a daily basis as they, uh, you know, religiously absorb Fox News Channel. And religiously is actually kind of a good word, too, because you see a lot of crossover here, a lot of susceptibility to, uh, you know, the more ludicrous aspects of personal faith being applied to politics, where, and I think a lot of the people who are leading that movement, including Donald Trump, understand that their flock, as it were, uh, are easily susceptible to buying just wholesale bullshit on a regular basis because of, you know, whether they're giving money to uh, Pat Robertson or they're, even worse, giving money to these, you know, traveling evangelists who set up these tents and these uh, faith healing shows and whatnot. So there's an entire demographic out there that is just absolutely ripe. It's like a sucker demographic. And somehow, at some point, maybe it was around 1980 or so, the Republican Party decided, hey, let's tap that demographic. Much like Fox News Channel decided, hey, let's tap that demographic for television too. Because that's what they there's this whole untapped audience that is craving conservative leaning, you know, conservative driven information. And we're going to exploit that audience now. And, uh, and so I think that's uh, been setting the table at least for the last four decades leading up to Donald Trump.
1: The article, Bob, that you wrote for the banter this this, this week um, in for the in the members-only section uh, about what's happening across the country in Portland. It's already happened in Portland, uh, and now it's happening where in, in Chicago and in Albuquerque, right? Um, yeah,
0: Albuquerque for some reason. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Is it uh, Walter White? Is it the meth trade going on? <laughs> I don't
1: know. He, right. He, I mean, just ra- completely random, but it's... Trump's audience Trump's supporters have been primed for this so that they don't bat an eyelid when this happens right that that yeah. um, so I mean I just want to actually just want to read a bit from your piece actually it was, it was it's excellent uh, so this is what um, you wrote. To the member section, you said today Donald Trump announced that in addition to Portland, he's deploying unidentified federal soldiers to Chicago and for some reason Albuquerque. But this time, the pretext isn't to guard federal property, it's to engage in law enforcement. This intention was confirmed by Trump's personal lawyer, Bill Barr. That's the greatly sanitized description of what can only be seen as Trump's invasion and indefinite occupation of American cities. We're ultimately talking about nothing more than petty vandalism and graffiti. It's not like armed insurrectionists are seizing federal land and exploiting it for profit, you know, like the Clive Bundy gang did in Nevada circa 2014. Trump wants to flex his law and order campaign slogan by completely immolating the Republican Party's states' rights 10th Amendment fetish. Worse, he's given us no reason not to assume that his Gestapo will continue to occupy these cities, predominantly Democratic cities, through Election Day. Is this what you see happening? Is this what's about to happen uh, over the next few months?
0: Yeah, the uh, the side note to that is that so many people, especially in the cable news media, and I'm talking about certain daytime hosts on MSNBC, a lot of hosts on CNN – are so desperate for some reason that com- continues to absolutely confound me. They're so driven to give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt on all of these things. Like they want to start out as the default, going, "Well, there's got to be a reasonable explanation for all of this madness." There's got to be uh, is he, he couldn't possibly be wanting to do this to expand his power and to seize control over uh, predominantly Democratic voting hubs, you know. He couldn't possibly want to do it. This is just about, maybe he's just doing this for the campaign. This is all about law and order. Well, what has he done that has given us the impression that he is some kind of benevolent doofus? And that's kind of how you see guys like Chuck Todd uh, routinely framing Donald Trump. And it's absolutely maddening. So we're here in this situation now where Donald Trump is sending, illegally sending, by the way federal soldiers federal agents we don't know if they're con- we don't know if they're private contractors we don't know if they're accountable to the people or they're accountable to their shareholders their boards of directors we have no idea who these people are because they're unmarked but they're being sent into these cities to ostensibly plant Donald Trump's flag uh, again, in major hubs of Democratic voters, where there are uh, just, I mean, we know what the demogra- demographics are from city to city to city. I mean, basically every city is a trouble for Donald Trump because of how people vote. And so I, I, I don't know exactly what the end game is here, uh, whether it's uh, let's make sure that we have, let's seize control over the cities to make sure that there's uh, you know, nothing that could undermine Donald Trump's presidency. It could be, it could have something to do with the election. I mean, who knows? I mean, we see quite a bit of ICE and CBP activity as part of this, uh, you know, this federal policing system that he's got set up now, which is basically like a Gestapo for stormtroopers. But, uh, so what that's going to do with the effect of that is going to be terrifying to, let's say, newly sworn in immigrants who are now American citizens, but who were once immigrants who came to this country? Are they going to be more likely or less likely to go to a polling place in their city if they know that ICE and CBP are probably going to be lurking around? You know, it's, that's just one example of many kind of scenarios that could crop up to suppress the vote using these uh, shock troops or whatever you want to call them. And so that may be another motivation for Donald Trump. But regardless, what we see as an overall historical effect here is that, yeah, for the first time in the United States, we have a chief executive who's sending federal soldiers into cities to operate in a way that is purely unconstitutional. There is no federal statute there is nothing in the Constitution in fact everything is contrary in the Constitution that the federal government is not a police not a domestic policing force right. this is a, this is something that's exclusive reserved of the states and what drives me crazy is when I see Republicans especially on the hill going yeah this is fine you know the 10th Tenth Amendment fetishists and the people who are into states rights and nullification people who were screaming about Jade Helm 15 five years ago. You know, oh, my God, Donald Trump or uh, Barack Obama is taking over the entire South, Texas and Florida and all the rest. These troops are going to it's going to be martial law and they're softening people's minds to the concept of military occupation. We have to stop this now for liberty and freedom and rah, rah, rah. And here we are. Here we are where that exact thing that they were worried about five years ago is literally happening now. So, my God,
2: here we are. Uh, as you pointed out uh, they don't have you know these federal agents they don't have the authority to to do a lot of what they're doing yes they have the authority to enforce federal law in the states to protect buildings federal buildings from vandalism but they don't have the constitutional authority to enforce local law which yeah. in most of these cases is what we're we're seeing with you know riots and unrests like these are local matters and they really have no business being there unless they have been invited in and they have not and you mentioned the the border patrol and ice these are uh, justin rosario had a, another piece in the banter newsletter earlier this week and he was talking about the border patrol people in oregon and he pointed out you know this is a very politicized uh, unit they, they are big Trumpers. These are the true believers, and they're the ones carrying out these tactics in Oregon, which, by the way, does not have a border with a foreign country. And so it's interesting that, that Trump or Bill Barr or whoever it was chooses this department – to carry out these tactics. They have no experience in domestic law enforcement or anything like that, and they weren't invited in. And it's just very concerning. And so we had the first, uh, we actually had the first arrest in Kansas City that was announced under Operation Legend. It was a 20-year-old kid with outstanding warrants. He was booked on weapons and drug charges. Uh, The press release said it was a joint effort with local and federal law enforcement, but he's being charged in federal court. And even though the feds are attributing this to this law, federal law enforcement surge under Operation Legend, it occurs to me that we in the public would really have no way of knowing if that's actually true. Because Mm -hmm. the feds, I mean, they routinely make arrests like this not part of any particular operation or anything like that and Trump as we know he likes to take credit for every positive development and I'm willing to bet a pretty penny that in the coming weeks and months Trump is going to use arrests that would have happened anyway as examples of the stunning success of Operation Legend <laughs> so that's that's one part of it and the other part of it which is the much uglier part, which we've mentioned. And that's the one that we've seen play out in Portland with with the mass federal agents with no insignia on their uniforms, violently attacking protesters and, and tossing them into vans. And I, I want to try to tease this out a little more like toward what end is the aim to elicit more protests and more violence so Trump can bring down the federal hammer? Because with this guy, almost any explanation is on the table. Everything from... Oh, this is just, you know, a PR stunt from uh, Trump who thinks he can turn our attention away from his abysmal coronavirus failures to, hey, these federal agents are going to be in these liberal cities on election day doing who knows what in an effort to get Trump reelected to suppress the vote, Bob, as Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, in, in some fashion. So I just really don't know what the end game is here, and it's really fucking scary that we can't count out that latter possibility that I mentioned.
0: Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, it it can be the entire driving strategy behind this is – Simply, possibly to uh, just back up his Richard Nixon 1968 law and order platform for the campaign. I mean, one of the things that's helpful to me is to look at all of Trump's actions through the prism of reelection, like what is driving his decision making, probably the fact that he wants to remain in power so he's not indicted and sued relentlessly when he leaves office. That's uh, That's a big deal to him. And so he has to be reelected in that sense. So seeing everything through that particular prism is actually quite informative to noting his motives. But so his motive here might just be, let's reinforce law and order by, I'm going to do these, I'm going to send in troops, I'm going to take responsibility for law and order here, even though he's not literally taking responsibility, but you know what I mean, I'm going to take the law into my own hands in these cities. And regardless of how the fact that it's maybe driven by his just his need to get reelected, the effect of it, the impact of it is fascist. The impact of it is full on American fascism. And so, again, the 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 somewhat innocuous, innocuous um, motivation to do it is kind of separate from the overall impact. Because what he's ultimately doing here is he's intimidating American citizens to, you know, act within the auspices of their personal liberty, their constitutional liberty. You you cannot go out and protest per the freedom of assembly in the First Amendment um, because these soldiers might shoot you in the face with a tear gas canister. You know, it, it's... It, it, it again the the consequences are much more dire than maybe the actual motivation is does that make any sense
2: it does make sense and but the crazy thing is you know trump is pointing to this unrest going on in these cities mm. and he's saying this will be joe biden's america and it's like motherfucker this is
0: your america
2: this yeah. is happening on your watch. <laughs> yeah, that, you was du- that was a
0: that was a dumb thing to say. <laughs> I
2: like I don't. Yeah, and, and and yes, you're right. I think he is trying to be the law and order candidate, a la Nixon in 1968. The problem for Trump
1: is he's been president for four years.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: But. I mean- the- how Bob how important is it that he gets re-elected you know in terms of his own how, how much danger do you think he is in from a Biden presidency like what what are the ramifications if he gets out of office do you think that um uh, a new justice department under Biden is going to go after him uh how or and how dangerous are the, you know the kind of all the, the legal, the, the Southern districts of New York, right. That has a number of that. They're after his tax, uh, yeah. tax, aren't they? How, do you, do you, do you really, do you see it as being a, a real danger for him? If he doesn't, I get re-elected?
0: A, I think it's a 50, 50 shot because the, the voices of let's move on. Let's leave in the, leave, let's leave the past in the past. Those voices are going to be somewhat powerful. Uh, let's say Joe Biden's uh, elected, Inaugurated on January 20th next year, and uh, I think almost immediately, or even during the transition to some extent, people would go, yeah, you know what, maybe we should leave all the nightmarish stuff in the past. But at the same time, people like me <laughs> are going to be going, no, 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 no. These guys need to be made an example of. This is, we have come closer in the past four years to fascism in this country than we ever have in the past. You know, Joe Biden the other day famously said, it was kind of a bit of a gaffe, he said uh, Donald Trump is the first racist president. He's not the first racist president, but he is the first fascist president. And so this is something that we cannot tolerate in this country. I mean, I hate to invoke six semper tyrannis, but because of the John Wilkes Booth connotations, which I'm not suggesting that, but I am suggesting, yeah, thus always to tyrants. You get a tyrant in the White House, that tyrant has to be made an example of. We have to make sure that that tyrant and his regime are not able to, one, continue operating, and two, setting an example for all new tyrants who are going to pick up the baton and run with it. My One of my ongoing concerns is, Trump copycats moving forward, someone like Tom Cotton, who isn't a doofus like Trump, but who is ideologically a maniac like Trump. So in that respect, there are lots of additional, lots of new Trumps queued up, ready to run for office if they haven't already. And so that has to be stopped. And the only way to really stop it, the only real way to go, you know, you don't want to go there, not in the United States is to say okay you act like this you act like a tyrant you and you you literally through your incompetence literally through your uh, malevolent self-preservation you have murdered 150,000 Americans plus because of the reaction to the pandemic you have put children in cages you know you go down the entire list of things you cannot be allowed to get away with this. This needs to be politically untenable for anyone who wants to continue to manifest the uh, idea of Trumpism. And so in that respect, that when Trump leaves office, I don't care if it's coming from the federal government, state governments, what have you, the city of New York in the case of the uh, Cy Vance case – I don't care where it's coming from, accountability has to be handed down. Bill Barr can no longer be allowed to practice law in this country. Um, Paul Manafort has to remain in prison. Some of the people who have enabled Donald Trump need to be made examples of, including Trump himself. I mean, the best case scenario, the best way that we know that we have done our jobs as citizens pushing for accountability is if Donald Trump's descendants, Donald Trump's grandchildren and their grandchildren are afraid to mention that their last name is Trump. Going so far maybe to change their name legally just to, to something else, to something that's unrelated because the Trump name is so disgusting and sour to what we value in this country. So that's my that's my hope and whether we go down that road is really uh, at the end of the day, up to us. We have to push the Biden attorney general we have to push Joe Biden. We have to push our state attorneys general to prosecute these guys. And it's, it's to me, the entire drive of this election isn't so much about supporting our party or supporting our personal ideology or supporting some slate of uh, policy proposals. The drive with this election is about American patriotism. This is a patriotic election. And the people who love this country are going to get rid of Donald Trump like a disease slice it out of the system entirely and so that's what needs to happen you know there's the there's the long answer to your quick uh, question <laughs> agree
2: 100% well and ben, said, yeah. ben and I have squabbled over this a little bit we we both want to see exactly what you just described. I'm of the view though there will be a lack of political will from the Biden administration to do just that and to start, you know, prosecutions and all that stuff. I I, I want to see it, but but it goes to your point, we should put we need to put pressure on them. If if we have a president Biden, we need to see a lot of these people prosecuted for what they have done. Because there's just absolute blatant corruption. But from a historical standpoint, I it's just it's not it's not in our DNA as a nation. I mean, you, you go back to the end of the Civil War, those Confederates, a lot of them should have just been rounded up and put on trial for treason, and they weren't. And, and Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis, those guys just uh, they, they got to, you know die on their plantations, completely yeah. unpunished. you know And same thing with reconstruction. When reconstruction ended and these states started introducing Jim Crow, we just kind of let it happen. And up to Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon committed these crimes and Gerald Ford pardoned him under the guise of the nation needs to heal. And I'm really afraid that we're going to find ourselves in that position where there are going to be voices even from the, the left. Well, maybe not the left, but the center left, who after Donald Trump is out of power, say, you know what? That's in the past. We need to look forward, and it's like no. We need for everyone to be equal under the law, and that means that even a former president of the United States and his cronies who engaged in this corruption need to be held to account. I am skeptical of that happening. I want to see it happen,
1: but I'm I'm quite skeptical. I just think yeah. there's going to be a lack of political will to do. it. Well, you, yeah, know, I think- you know. Going to be sorry, but, but you know who's going to uh, who I think is going to be one of the major hindrances to this? It's going to be the, the far left, it's going to be the um the Greenwalds and the Taibis and the yeah. you know, the, the the leftists who are going to say, No, we shouldn't focus on that, we need to focus on the Democrats and how 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 uh, cowardly they are and how badly you know they've done and whatnot. That Donald Trump is their fault and etc. etc. And we can't talk about we, we can't punish uh, people in the past, we've got to look to the future, and that means getting rid of all centrist Democrats. That's what I see uh, is going to be a major hindrance.
0: Well, you know, I absolutely respect and admire the Abe Lincoln's second inaugural, you know, with malice toward none, charity to all uh, concept that was laid out right at the tail end of the Civil War. And uh, and it made a lot of sense, I think, to a certain extent at the time. Uh, Right now, uh, going to what you were saying, Michael, with regard to uh, the the way we usually handle these sorts of things in this country, the precedent that has been set up up until Donald Trump, we didn't have administrations that investigated previous administrations. It just wasn't part of our tradition, uh, as you know, specifically about our, our presidency. And so that was not really ever on the table, but that has all changed. And the reason that has changed is because in the past Uh, at least in the past year, Donald Trump has launched an investigation into the previous administration. Donald Trump has eliminated that precedent, that tradition in uh, in the American presidency. We now have a presidency that includes investigating the previous administration. And so that, and of course, we all know that so much of the, the operation of our government is based upon tradition, or at least the, the presidency itself. You know, we follow the traditions. I mean, for the longest time, it was the George Washington tradition. The president serves only two terms and then steps aside in the peaceful transition of power and all the rest of it. Donald Trump has exposed all these traditions and exploited them to do horrible things to commit crimes, to protect himself and all the rest of it. These are loopholes that we either need to close up or we need to, in the case of holding a tyrant accountable, maybe we need to take advantage of the fact that Donald Trump has eliminated that as a tradition. So uh, there is now an opening in which to do that.
2: That's a great point, And it reminds me We could have a potential October surprise. The U.S. attorney for Connecticut, John Dunham, I think his name is. Yeah, Durham. Yeah. Durham. Okay. He he's the one investigating the Obama administration's handling of the whole Russia gate thing and all of that. And we haven't heard much from him for a while, but Bill Barr specifically tasked him with investigating this. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, say, around October 15th, two Mm -hmm. weeks before the election or so, John Durham has something to say. Uh, He has charges to announce or kind of like a Comey-esque letter right before the election that he's going to circulate about who is being investigated or who's been even indicted, perhaps. Um, as part of the Obama administration's handling of all that stuff, of which Joe Biden was obviously a part,
0: I mean, I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I don't know. I, again, it's it's something that we have to do. I, I, i'm it's weird to say this. I, I'm kind of grateful that Donald Trump himself eliminated the precedent for investigating previous administrations. But uh, I, I think uh, if there's anything that he has done, that we need to take advantage of—it's that one.
2: You know, I used to think this guy was Trump. I used to think he was too lazy and incompetent to march us toward fascism plausibly. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, what's been going on the last couple of weeks has definitely caused me to reassess my position on that. Oh yeah, yeah. I well, still, I mean, I still oh, think crazy and incompetent, but on this one, I mean, who knows? Barr could be the driver of this. Like when when Trump threatened to send the military. To American cities, you know, the Pentagon was definitely they they didn't they don't want to do that. The the military brass they do not want to deploy their men for the purposes of domestic population control. And I could picture Bill Barr stepping in saying, "Mr. President, there's a better way to do it. Here's Mm -hmm.
1: how." Yeah, I can I can definitely see that happening. And I think that also one of the things we've learned from watching trump over the past few years is that when he's cornered and when things are very 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 bad for him he is incredibly dangerous this is trump when he's at his when he's at his worst because he focuses i i have seen this what happens when things get really bad and it looks like he's about to lose uh, or there's a scandal that he can't get himself out of trump will do literally Anything he is capable of, anything, right? I mean, you know, the the, the best example of that that I saw was during um, after the whole, you know, grabbing by the pussy tape was was released, uh, and then it, Trump then staged a press conference with all the all the Bill Clinton accusers, right? In in it was like you know WWE style, Jerry Springer style election campaigning. I mean, it was one of the most grotesque spectacles I've seen in in political history. I've never seen anything like that. You know, but he has no shame, so he'll do it. You know, and that's what I—that's what concerns me. That it concerns me that as the election gets closer and closer and closer, and the polls—you know—we we discuss the polls of the podcast every week, and and uh, Mike's been telling me there's no point because it's <laughs> they're saying the same thing. But I don't think they are. I think the polls are—it's getting worse for Trump. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Like oh yeah. Yeah. Biden's lead is increasing everywhere. I think he's up thirteen points in Michigan which is, which is insane. Uh, yeah. and, and, and this Trump, you know, he's starting, this is starting to kind of grapple with this reality. And I think the more he grapples with this reality, the crazier he's going to get.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, that's also a possibility. I think what's amazing to watch right now is the fact that what happened in 2016 is not happening this time. 2016, Donald Trump could say crazy shit, And his poll numbers would go up. Now, no matter what he does, his poll numbers are going down. And the thing with Donald Trump that's actually kind of encouraging is the fact that it's almost impossible for him to pivot. In fact, it's it's completely impossible for him to pivot. Already, you know, earlier in the week, there was, again, the usual suspects, Chuck Todd. Oh, my God, the, uh, the president has decided to take a new tone when it comes to the pandemic. And wow, he's talking about masks now. That's interesting. And I can't believe he's doing this. Well, yeah, that lasted all of 24 hours. You know, There was a video that they posted yesterday where uh, Trump is out on the White House lawn pretending to throw a baseball with a bunch of little leaguers, not a single fucking mask anywhere to be seen, no social distancing going on, giant group photo taking place, no one wearing a mask. I mean, it just, oh yeah, okay, so sure, the president's supposed to be setting an example now because of his new tone, which doesn't fucking exist. (laughs) It just, so he just, he cannot ever, ever uh, become the kind of person that would be successful in this role. And so therefore, that's why I think he tries to Muscle the role to conform to him. He's muscling the presidency. To fit his twisted worldview, his non-existent values, uh, which is why we see uh, you know the State Department gutted, which is why we see just a whole slate of executive orders uh, that I mean, Donald Trump now thinks that he can create law using executive orders. His interpretation of the Supreme Court's DACA ruling was that I can create laws with executive It doesn't matter. Uh, Congress is no longer relevant in that in that respect. So um, you know he's just got the wrong idea when it comes to all of these things. He doesn't understand the presidency. He doesn't understand the strictures on the presidency. He doesn't understand the traditions of the presidency. And he feels as if if it's not illegal, he can do it. Doesn't matter if it's unpresidential. It doesn't matter if it's something that leads toward or is fully fascist. It doesn't matter if it's he's permitted to do it. If there's legal loophole that uh, Cipollone or uh, whoever before him had uh, devised, then he's going to waltz right through that loophole. And again, that's one of those things that we need to uh, address when he's gone. I mean, there has to be an entire series. I was relieved to see Adam Schiff talking about uh, what he referred to as post-Watergate reforms, like a slate of things that uh, legislatively... Are, have to happen in order to prevent this from happening again and i would go so far as to say constitutional amendments have to be ratified in that process too in order to fully codify them and in, in order to make them no longer susceptible to court challenges because we can we, we can guarantee that whatever actions are taken against donald trump after january 20th knock on wood everything goes well uh, the conservatives with the red hat entertainment complex, they're going to be screaming, oh my God, you're persecuting conservatives. The Democrats are getting an office and they're locking up conservatives randomly. Oh my God. It's, and they're going to say fascism, you know? Um, but we have to ignore that and we have to move forward with what needs to be done. So this doesn't happen again.
2: Yeah. Like a constitutional amendment clearly stating that the president must an incoming president must divest himself completely
3: yeah.
2: and his family of all business interests because, mm-hmm. you know, we have a serious emoluments issue right now. Yeah. We've got all of these Trump properties and, and Trump has said he's divested. But his, you know, his sons, Uday and kuse are running them <laughs> and they're, they're <laughs> generating all of this revenue from people who are staying at these hotels who might not otherwise because – they want to curry favor with the president of the United States. And the courts keep striking these challenges down and saying that, oh, you don't have standing, you don't have standing, you don't have standing. It's like, okay, there's an emoluments clause in the constitution. Tell us who has standing. Like, I know that's not a court's job to say who has standing, Yeah, but we need some clarification on this issue. And this, if this amendment were proposed right now, The Republicans in Congress would not vote to send it to the states. We know that. But if you get a Democrat in the White House, that's something they probably would be willing to consider because Trump is no longer an issue, which obviously is an indictment of Republicans in Congress and just their total obsequiousness, if that's a word. Uh, to this guy. And and yeah, Schiff mentioning the, the legislative slate of things to just kind of like basically react to all of the abuses of power that we've seen working toward the, the enrichment of, of the president. Like we, we need to address all of these things because I don't think we could, given the precedence that we've seen, we could not have anticipated the amount of self-dealing that we have seen with this president so there's a lot of work to be done addressing these issues and making sure that this never happens again in addition to prosecuting actual criminal stuff that went on with this guy and his administration
0: here's a uh, constitutional amendment for you uh while we're on this topic um and all and that was a, a fantastic idea that has to absolutely be on the list mike but the the other thing is Uh, And we don't really talk about this. Again, it's the fire hose of news. It's almost impossible to pick and choose things out of the gigantic geyser of awfulness. Uh, But the fact that Donald Trump is is abusing the acting system with department heads, where Mm. he is actually no longer uh, adhering to the rules that say, you know, the next person in line becomes the acting, and then that person has to be replaced with a uh, congressionally approved uh, replacement... He's not doing that anymore. What he is absolutely doing is stacking these department heads in ways that he doesn't have to get congressional approval. And so you you got to close that loophole. I mean, he's finding all kinds of ways just to subvert the entire process. And uh, that's something else that I think we we definitely need to uh, (laughs) put a stop to now. Otherwise, it's just going to be like this in perpetuity in the future. Presidents love to look back at prior administrations and go, well, that guy did it. I'm going to do it too. And, uh, and so that, that needs to stop.
2: Right. I mean, we've had, we've had a bunch of presidents who have done terrible stuff, but at the end of the day, they did adhere to, to certain norms and and they did feel, you know, they've felt bound by the precedents that have been set. And now we've got a guy who just has no regard for any of that. And so now, you know, Congress is going to have to step in and say, all right, you know what? You ruined it for everyone we got to start specifying what's not allowed you know we are yeah. going to have to go there because of this guy mm.
0: Ta- yeah tax returns too we got to get the yes. constitutional amendment president uh, people running for president have to release five years of tax returns at the very least and that's mandatory they can no longer be on ballots if they don't if they haven't divulged this information to the public so yeah i mean long long list i have to write during the transition i'm going to write a long kind of Not a manifesto, but kind of a to-do list in terms of what has to happen, uh, provided Joe Biden wins this election. And that's, as we were saying, that's a whole other can of worms.
1: Uh, Okay, so Bob, are you feeling confident about that?
0: Uh, I'm 50-50 about it. I mean, I think things are looking good right now, and that's certainly nice to see. But uh, I'm still also anticipating lots of fuckery going on <laughs> moving forward. I mean, God only knows. As you got, as, as you were saying, Mike, there could be some sort of insane October surprise in there involving John Durham. Uh, we haven't seen the other Russia shoe uh, drop yet in this whole thing. Although some of the the weird hacks, like the blue check hack on Twitter kind of gave me pause momentarily. I wasn't sure because knowing that Barack Obama and Joe Biden were also victims of that hack. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect between now and Election Day. But the good news is voting starts in less than six weeks. So even though Election Day is whatever it is, 100 days away. Uh, you know, the, the actual process of uh, absentee voting begins uh, six weeks from now. And that's that'll be good because the polls are still looking terrible for Donald Trump. And, and once those votes come in, uh, it's, it's not going to look good. The absentee voting for Trump is not going to look good. And that's maybe that's one of the reasons he's going after it. I mean, by the way, they have spent the Trump campaign has now spent 20 million dollars stopping or trying to stop mail in balloting. So, which is, by the way, and also I want to add, just as a point of order, all mail-in ballots are absentee ballots. They're all absentee ballots. There's just rules in terms of whether you need an excuse or not to get one. That's the only thing. So this idea that there are mail-in ballots and also absentee ballots is bogus. They're all absentee ballots.
2: Are we really going to end on a
1: good note? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Once. Okay. So uh, just before we leave. The Pentagon. Uh, this is a report out today. The Pentagon. Did you just has
0: say the Pentagon.
1: The Pentagon. The pent. <laughs> the Pentagon. Are you making fun of my accent, Bob. Again.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: We've been working together for ten years, but apparently Bob's not <laughs> still going on. Still going on. I used to take email abuse from both you and Ches for years. <laughs> Tally ho, chip chip, period. <laughs> Sorry. Oh,
0: man. Don't don't lie and say that accent hasn't helped you in significant and personal ways over
1: the years, Ben. It may, it may have done. It may have done. All right. Aliens. I want we, we, we need to end on aliens, okay? Because, look, there's just a piece out today, Popular Mechanics. This is actually on the front page of the New York Times as well. The Pentagon has, quote, off-world vehicles not made on this Earth, right? I think yeah. the direct quote is, off-road vehicles not made on this earth. What is going on? What is going on here? Okay, twenty. To, how can 2020 get any crazier, right? Yeah. This is, the New York Times is reporting that the Pentagon's secretive UFO unit is going to make some of its funding public. And the newspaper said one consultant to the agency has briefed U.S. Defense Department's officials of some highly unusual discoveries, including items retrieved from off-world vehicles not made on this earth. Right, that's from the Huffington Post, and it's talking about an article today in the New York Times. So, yes, aliens,
0: We cannot handle uh, voting for president in this country. We cannot handle the Internet in this country. I don't know how the hell we're going to handle the confirmed existence of aliens, you know, and the fact that they're visiting us uh, or at least visiting our military bases. That's my first reaction to all of this. And my second reaction is this news, whatever it turns out to be, is probably going to be a whole lot less than what it looks like now. <laughs> it's probably going to be, well, we have a mysterious fragment of something or another, and it's a xenomineral of some kind, and we don't know where it comes from, but it doesn't come from the planet Earth, and and that may be it. Uh, we might also find out that they're just drones buzzing the, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking that there's going to be some kind of uh, much more reasonable explanation to it. I mean, at least that's my hope. I mean, as much as I would love to see the (laughs) idea of aliens, you know, uh, in other uh, galaxies even, or uh, certainly other star systems, as fun as that would be, uh, at the same time, the, can you imagine like the, the entire group of Karens and mask shirkers and all the rest of it? just going indiscriminately batshit over this. (laughs) And I don't know.
1: That's going to be a whole new YouTube YouTube phenomenon, which is going to be Karen's versus aliens.
0: (laughs) That's right. That'll be the next sequel to the aliens franchise. (laughs) <laughs> they tried Predators versus Aliens, but so why don't we try Karens versus Aliens? Maybe that'll do better.
2: I don't think the Karens will have much to worry about because, you know, as soon as the aliens get here and interact with us, uh, they're going to want to leave. So yeah. they'll be here for a very fleeting moment, but once... Once we see, once they see, uh, you know, how, how we're doing here on Earth and what a mess we are, especially in America, they're going to want to peace out.
0: Yeah. Uh, who was it? Bill Hicks or Sam Kennison said that the, the the United States is sort of like the trailer park of the galaxy. <laughs> so why would aliens want to come here? Why would they want to <laughs> visit
1: us? <laughs> well, I think on on that note, it's a, it's is that a positive note we're leaving it on? It's not a negative note. I don't know. Who knows? It's a, it's a non-Trump note, so I'll take it. Yeah take it but listen uh bob we want to thank you very very much for coming on on the show today uh it was really awesome to have you on uh we'd love to have you back of course uh when your schedule permits i want everybody listening as well to if you're not listening to the bob seska show you bloody well should be uh you can go to the bob seska that's right bob It's the bob seska yep, yep that's it that's your patreon page bob's show is one of the top political shows in america uh, so we're actually like super lucky to have you on the show today. Like we actually, you know, you're a, you're actually a genuine real legitimate podcaster like a nationally recognised podcaster I just want to make that clear to everyone who, you talk, who, who you're listening to at the moment so please go uh, and check out Bob's page, uh, you can become a subscriber on uh, on his show and you get access to all sorts of goodies you get access to um, uh, post-mortem shows and the after party and post-mortem shows so um, I definitely re- recommend that if you're not listening to Bob already, a lot of you listening probably well, obviously you're going to know who Bob uh-huh. is because you read his article uh, bob, also you can read Bob at Salon.com as well. Uh, bob, do you have a page on Salon, Salon.com? is that, Do you have a profile page on Salon? We can.
0: I think you can just go to Salon and search my name.
1: Yep. you will come it. up there.
0: Yeah, because it's something complicated like Salon.com slash writer slash. I think it's slash Bob underscore Seska or something like that. But regardless, uh, usually my Salon stuff appears uh, Tuesday mornings uh, every week on Salon.
1: Tuesday mornings on Salon, and Bob appears on the Bantam newsletter every Thursday as well. Uh, you can check out his stuff at the Bantam. Well, you're list, if you're listening to the show, you're, you're, you must have accessed it via the newsletter. So there you go. Also, um, anybody listening, if you look on the page today, you can get 50% off a Bantam membership where you can read uh, Bob's articles, are often uh, for members only. So you can read that, you get 50% off today. Um, you just click the red button and you get the discount. Uh, and uh, Bob, uh, uh, just from Mike and I, thank you so much, and I uh, hope to see you soon.
0: Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And anytime you want to have me back on, I'm I'm more than willing to uh, sit here and <laughs> and uh, illustrate illu- illustrate my gift of gab. <laughs>
2: thanks, Bob. Okay, thanks, so thanks guys.